You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the win that happened on Saturday night. That I know a lot of Aggies are waking up to on Monday morning and still thinking about Tuesday afternoon about why the heck it's not a good win. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this podcast a more quality sounding unit. We're on five days a week. Every single day is a Locked on Aggies podcast day. Let me know in the comments section and let me know by following us on social media at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So Texas A&M, just like every other team in the SEC, guess what? They started off this season with a lot of concerns, a lot of questions. Naturally, that was going to happen. It's COVID-19. We understand that these are some of the preliminary things that go through One's trying to set a tone. But it's Vanderbilt. It's a good start to an Aggie season, right? Keep telling me that. Please, I would love for you to continue to tell me that because it's Vanderbilt, it's going to be a start to a promising season. All right. So where's the promise? Guys, we're not going to sit here all morning just talking about this. We're not going to sit here all on the next 24 minutes just, you know, completely badgering what that game was. But I'm going to talk and I'm going to rant for a couple minutes. And you guys are just going to have to listen to it. That performance, Saturday night, that game, that's not AM football. I have no idea what the heck that is. And this is coming from someone who's not an alum, but has watched enough AM football over the past 20 years of his life to know that's not what AM is. That's not even close to what AM is. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Oh yeah, they got a win. Kellen Mond after the game said that even though it was a sloppy win, I think every win is a good win. No! No! No, Kellen. That's not how it goes, man. That's not a good win. You have a Vanderbilt team that has no offense. None. They were completely detained of all their talent from last year. Brand new quarterback. Freshman quarterback. And Ken Seals. The kid had two months in the program. He left early. He came to Vanderbilt, Nashville early. He had two months before everything kind of got shut down for a while. To learn a brand new college system. You know what the difference was? Kellen Mons been in the system three years. He went 17-28 for 189. His average yard of pass was 6.8. He didn't throw an interception, but he had a QBR rating of 32.2. Ken Seals, a freshman, less than two months into a system, went 20-29 of for 150 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, but he had a QBR rating of 58.9. That's not a good win, Kellen. That's not even close. You're a 29.5 point favorite, and you win by five. Against a team that everyone and their mother is picking to finish dead last in the SEC. Dead last. You win by five. And guess what? I gotta give a lot of credit here. Mike Oko, bravo. 
good game plan. You executed well. Your team looked the part. I was very pleased with how the defense played. And I'm going to mention a few of them later. Don't worry. I'm going to name a few big-time names because they played well. Leon O'Neal Jr., good on you, buddy. Damani, great game. Great interception. Special teams, where the hell was your head? Where the heck was your head? Anais, you're the team's starter at returning. Both. Don't ever pick it up in the end zone. Ever. Take the yards. Because you know what happened? Because Brian George, guy who I'm very high on, guy I do think can be effective, he was caused with a blindside block. There's a safety. Two easy points that was never needed. And Verity got him. Offense? What the heck are you thinking? I don't really know what to say. You look especially ahead. Where's the offense? Defense did their part. Michael Clemens, hell of a game. Hell of a final drive, Michael Clemens. Guy who I was not high on at all. I'm sorry. You played great. Again, the secondary, you had your moments. Yeah, you gave up a touchdown. You also had two interceptions on a freshman quarterback. Exactly what you were supposed to do. So you had your moments. Some bad, a lot more good. Defensive front, good game. I gotta give you a lot of credit. Defensive front came to play. 105 rushing yards on the day for the Commodores. They averaged 2.8 yards per carry, and they only had two runs longer than 10 yards. This defense, they're at least going to be competent. And I don't need to go any much further than that. The defense, they're going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be great, but they're going to be good. They're going to be right in the same spot they were last year. And you know what? Last year was not a bad spot. The offense, all right, Jimbo, I've given you a lot of credit and done giving you credit. You have a guy in the system for three straight years. He throws 189 yards. I get that you're without your top weapon in Jamon Hosman. I totally understand that. I get that this is a game where you're trying to figure out who's going to be your number one receiver. Who is it? Because again, you have your running back, number two, and Anaya Smith, finishing third on the team in interception yards. Two catches, 27 yards. You can't get one consistent player to break out. Caleb Chapman led the team of 40 yards. Guess what? Jalen Preston on one less target, I mean on one more target, had a 39. Same amount of catches. Longest play of the night was 23 yards on Chase Lane Pass. Longest play from scrimmage. That's not including the Anaya Smith 26-yard play where it was a dump pass. Jalen Weidemeyer, your go-to tight end. Two catches, 19 yards. I know the linebackers are very good at Vanderbilt. That has to be an okay reason. That's got to be the only reason. Thank God for the run game. Thank God for this man right here. Isaiah Spiller, he's going to be definitely going down as one of the better players of the game. Eight carries, 117 yards, 14.6 yards per carry with the longest run of the night at 57 yards, plus the Anias Smith run that got them the touchdown. They were good. 51 yards and 117 for the two combined. They averaged... Over five yards per carry, each of them. They each had a run at least 20 plus yards and a touchdown. This might be the new way that you have to play. This really might just be it, Jimbo. Because I'm telling you right now, I watched every single game in the SEC. I had to. Because Kellen Mond, going into this game, had an opportunity to set himself apart 
as the next big-name quarterback in the SEC. You want to know what I saw? I saw a kid by the name of KJ Costello go down to Baton Rouge, a place where dreams come to die, according to Coach O, and set a new SEC record with 623 passing yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, he threw two interceptions. He did. He also threw the ball 60 times. 623 passing yards. You know what else I saw? I saw the kid by the name of Kyle Trask. The, yeah, the guy who everyone is saying, oh, you know, it's between Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask. One of these two is going to become the next QB1 of the SEC. You want to know what he did? He went 30 of 42 for 416 yards and six scores. And didn't have a turnover. I watched an Alabama team with Mac Jones. Mac Jones. He found a way to throw for, what was it? I mean, it, was, it wasn't great, but he had 249 yards in the day. He had two touchdowns, zero turnovers, and they ran the ball. 98 yards for Najee Harris, three touchdowns. Alabama, Florida, and Mississippi State, the next three opponents for Texas A&M. They've scored 133 points. A&M scored 19 against Vanderbilt. Yeah, this defense, they're going to be in for a big task in the next couple weeks. There's no other way to say it. The air raid offense works. Florida looks the part of a top five team. And Alabama's Alabama. You know what? This is going to be the season right here and now. This is going to be Kellen Mond's big game upcoming against Alabama. You can't throw 189 yards against freaking Vanderbilt and expect to be still the main guy. And listen, Kellen Mond has been nothing short of a great leader off the field for Texas A&M. He has been nothing short. And you know what? I know. I get it. I get it. There's a lot of people out here because of what he did with the Sully statue. They're upset. But he has been a big vocal leader for a lot of voices in College Station. And I applaud that. Applaud gets you places, but production also does. You have the people's attention. You do not have the production. That game should have been over in the third quarter. And it's not all his fault. But there was too many plays that he missed. There's too many moments where they could have gone big. They didn't. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what went right and what went, what went wrong in College Station on Saturday night. Aggie fans, I know that week one was probably a little bit disappointing, but you still got nine more tailgates ahead, and you got to stay ready to go throughout the entire day. That's why I recommend you always have a Built Bar on hand. Now, Built Bar has their 12 original flavors, such as coconut, almond, raspberry, peanut butter, and banana nut bread, but now you can try their six new flavors, including cookies and cream, caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake. Now, the bars are actually more like candy bars than protein bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy, someone on the run, and they help you maintain or lose weight while having a delicious treat. That's because they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for someone on the keto diet. Right now, every single morning before I go work out, I have a peanut butter one, and here are the results. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else. Go to BuiltBar.com and you can save $10 off your next port purchase by using the promo code LOCKEDON. That promo code is LOCKEDON at $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Tailgating season is alive and well wherever you do it in a safe location. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss a second of the action is to have a treat such as Built Bar to meet your daily needs. 
Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here on the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports team? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports teams, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA, plus highlight information to get you geared up for your fantasy sports season. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast. Podcast day at lockedonpodcast.com. All right, so what went right and what went wrong for Texas AM? Let's just talk about what went right. The run game is alive and well. Isaiah Spiller and Anaya Smith did not miss a beat from last season. Anaya Smith said earlier this month that he believes that the Aggies could be the top one two combination in the backfield of any team. You know what? I don't doubt it because of Isaiah Spiller. 117 yards on the day. That was the best in the SEC this week. He had the highest rushing total in the SEC. And he's the only player in the conference who went over 100 yards in their first game. This is something a little uncommon in my opinion. I thought a lot of teams, because of the different quarterbacks they were going to be having out there, I mean, you didn't really know what you were going to have with Mac Jones. You didn't really know what you were going to have with KJ Costello. You didn't really know what you were going to have in Missouri. You didn't really know what you were going to have with JT Daniels, who ended up not playing. I thought they'd be using the running backs a lot more. They didn't. It's a lot of passing. This was AM's identity. So he's the only guy who's going to be at 100 yards going into week two. And Anaya Smith with 54 in the day, that placed him outside of the top 10 at number 11. He was the only player who came close enough to the top 10 of all these other running backs. And he was only, I think, what, three yards short of being in the top 10? So the run game works. They had the highest run total for a 1-2 combination on the afternoon. Again, I really thought you were going to be seeing a little bit more of the run game from every team. You didn't. In fact, you didn't even see it come close. Second, I got to go to the defensive line. Defensive line against the run, I thought played a very good game. I thought they added a lot of pressure. And Michael Clemens played very, very well. I very much enjoyed his performance. He's now in the top five in sacks. I know it's week one, but to have two sacks on the day is a big deal. I mean, Jacoby Stevens, the safety out of LSU, had two sacks. DeAndre Johnson, who's more of their run-and-pound linebacker at Tennessee, had three sacks on the day. So he's tied for second place in sacks. I thought DeMarvin Leal did his job against the run. I thought McKinley Jackson was a very nice addition to the team. I did not expect him to have that good of a game. Four-star talent, he stepped up. He had half a sack. No, that's not really a big deal. But when it came on that last drive, it was a big deal. It was detrimental to the team's success. I think the defensive line had a much better day than a lot of people expected. But it was also with players who I did not expect to see. So depth of defensive line really, to me, played a lot better. Think another surprise. I thought Jalen Jones played okay. I did not think he played beautifully. But he also did not play terrible for his first start as a true freshman. To have a cornerback like that at 6'1", come on the field, step up, and immediately play better than some of these veterans that have already been a part of the system, is a big deal. And that's what he did. 
I'm not saying he was flawless, and there's definitely some room for improvement. And he's definitely going to get tested this upcoming week against Alabama with Jalen Waddell, with Devonta Smith, with John Mechie. He's going to be tested. But I thought he played well enough to continue to come back out and be a starter. I thought the safeties played a fantastic game. I think what the best part of it all for Elko's defense is he has two guys in O'Neal and Richardson who can stay in their own zones. You saw Damani play the run. He finished with seven tackles on the day, a tackle for a loss. You saw him step up in coverage in the flats against uh, slot receivers, against tight ends, out of the backfield of runners. You saw him do all that. More importantly, you saw him get the interception in the red zone to keep the drive alive. That ended a positive play for Vanderbilt and instead turned around to give AM momentum. Same with Leon O'Neill. Played deep, played great in coverage, got that pick. Beautiful return. Beautiful deep return. He did a lot. So the safety combination, it's working. You throw Keldrick Harper in there as the middleman, kind of a little bit of both. Piece of resistance, I'd say. You have a three-man set that is not that bad. And they could probably lead to a couple more quarterbacks being pressured into throwing interceptions in that same direction. And then eventually, he's gonna whoever is the quarterback is going to have to throw on the outside and make those receivers go get it. And you have two cornerbacks in Miles Jones and Jalen Jones who are both over six foot two. Good luck. Good luck stopping that. Now, what went wrong? Kellen Mond passing efficiency. Plain and simple. I don't know if that's because of it was new receivers. I don't know if that's because if he was too afraid to build a repertoire, but to have 6.8 yards per pass, that'd be the average. And only have a handful of plays on short dump passes, by the way, to go for touchdowns. I mean, that, that, that's, that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable for a guy who's been in the system for three years. There was no urgency. And eventually, I think Jimbo kind of noticed that. There was no urgency from Kellen Mond whatsoever when he stepped out on the field that night. And the crazy part was, it wasn't because of protection. They allowed one sack. They allowed, I think if I read correctly, they allowed eight QB hurries. And that was after 2.5 seconds. The average time you give a quarterback to throw a ball. It just was a bad game for Kellen Mond. Urgency and passing efficiency has to be something you build on for next week. Number two, you have a five-star wide receiver in DeMond Demas and you didn't play him a single snap against Vanderbilt? Against a team that is likely going to finish at best, I would say, three and seven. You did not play him one snap. What is the problem there? This is the game you play him in. You don't play him against Alabama week two. I understand not playing him week three against the likes of Florida. I get that. This in Arkansas, you let him play to figure out who he is. He didn't play a single snap. How is that possible? It's not like there was a ton of talent at the receiver position on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, there was a few great catches from Caleb Chapman. Jalen Preston had two good plays. You had uh, Cam Brown have, I think, one or two pretty decent plays. And then you had Chase Lane with a few. It's not like there was one dude who was nine targets, nine receptions, 137 yards. It was all consistent. 
They were all 40, 35 yards on the day. No one really separated themselves as wide receiver one. Why did you not give Demas a chance to be that guy? That doesn't fly with me whatsoever. Finally, third down efficiency and penalties. 40%. That's the efficiency A&M finished on third down. They got it 40% of the time. They were under on third down. Then they were over. Three turnovers on the day. Three turnovers. And penalties. Eight penalties for 50 yards. You can't have that. You can't have that with a veteran offense returning in a very quiet field. It was at 25%. The offense looked like they were playing at 25% level. That's what it felt like on Saturday night. The efficiency was down. There was no motion from the offensive line, in my opinion. There was too many penalties. You had too many, you had too many turnovers. Three turnovers. Three fumbles. Two lost. You can't have that. I'll throw in one more. Special team stupidity. Brian Cole, there's no other nice way to put it. How do you have that happen? Anaya Smith, I gave you some props earlier. How'd you have that happen? I can't. Don't take it out of the end zone. Because the second you take it out of the end zone, you become a liability. More importantly, that ball becomes live. Anything happens to you, points go in the opposite direction. Let the ball roll out of the back of the end zone for a touchback and start the drive on the own 25. Just do it. It saves a heck of a lot of trouble. All right, here were the three stars of the game. There's not that many, but I do have three. Three players I thought really played well. Let's break them down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat. Talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following the podcast here on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on Spotify. And if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. Three stars in a 17-12 victory over the Commodores. Doesn't seem like I deserve to give out any, but I am going to give out three. Coming in as my third star of the game, I'm going to give it up for Leon O'Neal. Listen, O'Neal has been through a lot this offseason, and for him to be able to come back, finish with seven total tackles, two tackles for losses, and a big interception that he returned for, what was it, 35 yards in the play? Setting A&M up? That's what you want to see. You want to have that type of mentality from a player who has been very successful for your team. You thought you were going to lose him. Now he's back and he's playing at a high consistent level. For him to be able to make that interception, be at the right place at the right time in coverage, that is something that you have to celebrate. Number two, Michael Clemens. I didn't even mention Michael Clemens as a top 25 player to watch for this year, and I feel bad. Because without his heroics late in the game, maybe AM doesn't win this game. Maybe they start the season off 0-1. He was the one consistent on the defensive line. Don't get me wrong, DeMarvin Leal, he had seven total tackles, but he wasn't able to get the same type of pressure that Clemens was able to get. Four tackles on the day, two coming in the form of sacks, uh, one coming as a solo tackle. Overall, I thought he played very, very, very well for a guy who I was not very high on going into the year, and now he's proven me wrong. So Michael Clemens comes in at number two. Number one far and away is Isaiah Spiller. That offense was depleted, and I know Aniah Smith got the touchdown, and Spiller did not. But for him to be the only SEC player this week to rush for over 100 yards, 
and be pretty much the one consistent on offense because of, unfortunately, I have to dock Smith for the play in the end zone. He gets the knot. It's that simple. There was not a great running game whatsoever in the SEC this week. Najee Harris did okay because he was in the red zone. Three touchdowns in the red zone doesn't mean that much to me. Consistent runs like we saw from Spiller is why he was the name to watch out for. And I'm very excited to see where he goes moving forward because he might have to be the focal point of the offense. Think of it this way, and I ended on this. You know how Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland right now has the Browns 2-1? and one? Is it because if he has Baker Mayfield throwing it multiple times a game? Or is it because of his run game? I'll give you a clue. There are 60-40 run-first offense. And they have two running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who are great complements to each other. One power, one speed, both with the ability to break free and consistently find the end zone. You let Baker work on third and short. Maybe that's what's going to have to happen with Kellen Mond. But I'm telling you this, something's got to change by week two. You got Alabama coming up this week, and I'm not sure that they're going to be even close to ready if it's another performance like that. That's good for this edition of Locked On Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here on LockedOnPodcast.com. Also on iTunes and Spotify. Tomorrow, we'll be breaking down Jimbo Fisher's press conference. He'll be talking about some of the players, what went right, what went wrong in his mind, and also how to prep for Alabama, who's coming off of, I would say, maybe a lackluster win against Missouri. This is definitely a team that everyone is considering a heavy favorite to win the SEC West. And up until the third quarter, they look like it. But then, middle of the third quarter... Things went south really fast with the Crimson Tide. So maybe this could be the start of something unspecial up in Tuscaloosa. But we'll be breaking all that down tomorrow. We'll see you then. And remember, give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.